Life is forever. Death is only a temporary abridgment. It is just a state of transition where you'll move from one world into another. You will move from the physical to the causal, from matter into pure energy. A great quote by Frederick Lenz. Welcome to Heal, conversations to guide you toward personal growth and overall well-being. next episode of Heal. I'm so excited to introduce our next guest. Her name is Jill and she is a death doula. I've never interviewed a death doula before, so this is so cool for me. Can't wait to hear all about that. Um, But first, hello, Jill. How are you? I'm good. How are you tonight? Good. Thank you. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you Um, for having me. Absolutely. I'm so excited. So I've never um, talked to anyone who was a death doula before, and I'm really intrigued about how you became a death doula. So I'm sure in your whole life, you didn't always wish to be, um, per, but maybe you have, so you can set me straight. Um, but let's start from the way beginning. So what did you do sure. before you became a death doula? So I've been in food service um, since I was a teenager. I started working front of the house in a bakery, um, just kind of by mistake. It wasn't a yeah. plan. I just ended up with a job at a bakery. And ended up loving it. And so um, after I graduated high school, I went to culinary school. And then from there, I moved all around the country working at different restaurants and hotels and resorts down in Palm Beach, Florida. And then eventually, oh, it was so cool. It was such a great opportunity to move around a lot and work for a lot of different people and a lot of different styles of food. And then I ended up moving to San Francisco um, with my, at the time, boyfriend. Um, He's a pastry chef as well. And so we moved out there. Um, I ended up working my way up in a restaurant to eventually become the pastry chef. By the time I think I was like 25, I was running an entire pastry department. Yeah, it was intense. I had like 13 people that worked for me. And I think all of them were older than me. 25 years old. Yeah. 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 As a a woman too, that must've been really difficult to have multiple people under you at that age. It was very intense and it was a great learning experience. And in some ways I learned more about what I didn't want to do versus what I wanted to do. Um, But I I feel like my restaurant job did the same for me. Like, you know what, this is not something you want to keep doing. I actually developed when I was a restaurant manager, I near before I gave my notice, I developed what I call a psychosomatic cough. I couldn't stop coughing and I I just Ah. couldn't stop. And I kept losing my voice, um, which is interesting energetically (laughs) to me now, knowing what I know now, you know, the interesting thing is, is I um, am transitioning. So, all right. So I lived in San Francisco, my husband and I, we got married we Mm -hmm. decided we wanted to open a bakery and couldn't do it in California. I'm originally from South Jersey, moved home to South Jersey, opened a bakery. And I ended up volunteering at the place that I work at right now. It's a Mm -hmm. um, job training program that is also a soup kitchen in Camden, New Jersey. It's an amazing place. I love it so much. Yeah. And so I volunteered there for a couple of years 
um, eventually when I was pregnant with my second child, we realized we couldn't both work in the same business. We had no health insurance. We barely had an income. Um, and so I ended up working at Cathedral Kitchen full-time teaching. But now that I'm ready to transition, I started having a problem breathing and then I lost my voice. I just gave my notice and I ended up losing my voice this week after I eventually got very frustrated in a meeting and I snapped a little bit at somebody. And then mm -hmm. I felt really guilty about it and came home that night and I lost my voice. So, and so that's so yeah, interesting. I'm, Cause you know, I think right? always go right to like energy, um, totally energy centers and healing. And I think automatically boy, either like you said too much, cause that's how you felt like you said yep. too much. And yes. that's what, how you lost your, I don't know. I just find it so interesting and you couldn't breathe, which is probably has a lot to do with you. Just not truly, um, be, being you, your, you know, authentic mm -hmm. self, but making Definitely. that decision was probably the right decision. So you, you decided yes. to give your notice. Yeah. That's so I did. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Because I started my death doula business, um, during COVID, but it's one of those things where, um, while we still had our bakery, my, we lived with my grandmother the entire mm -hmm. time, um, that we lived in South Jersey. Mm -hmm. And so we moved in with her, she was turning 90 and we lived with her until she was 94 when she passed away. Um, at the time I had a six month old infant, I was running a business and I was taking care of my grandmother and especially the last month of her life, she had cancer. Mm -hmm. And it was the craziest experience because I thought like when they were like, are you going to be okay taking care of her? I was like, oh, it's going to be fine. Like it's my mm -hmm. grandma. It's going to be fine. But like, nobody told me that like at the end of life, a lot of times, especially in the middle of the night, people wake up with like these like night terror kind of things. And like, they go through all these like weird experiences. And so the first night she was home with me, she had been in the hospital and they sent her mm -hmm. home. I go downstairs because it's in the middle of the night and she's awake and I have my baby. I'm nursing my six month old. And she's saying to me, oh, my granddaughter has a baby about that age. And I was like, mm -hmm. grandma, like it's me. And she yeah. was like, no, you're the nurse that's here to take care. And I was like, oh, this is not, this is new. This is not something mm -hmm. that I was prepared for. And thankfully the hospice nurses were so amazing that when they mm -hmm. came in the next day, I was like exhausted. I'd been up all night. I was upset. I didn't know what was going on. And they just sat down with me and they were like, okay, here's the deal. <laughs> like, this is what you can expect yeah. um, towards the end of life. You know, like these are the kind of stages that things are going to go through potentially. Um, you know, these are the things that we can help with, but because hospice is really, they just go from patient to patient to patient they really didn't have a lot of time. They couldn't like sit and spend a lot of time with me. They couldn't sit and spend a lot of time with my grandmother. They just came in and gave her the care that she needed mm -hmm. and then they would leave. But once she passed away and like, it just really, the hospice services were so beautiful. And it took about a month for her to really go through that last stage of like transitioning. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually told my husband then I was like, I think I might want to like give up baking. I was like, and I might want to go back this. to school. Yeah. Well, yeah. at the time I thought the only thing I could do was be a hospice nurse. And right. then I was like, but I don't know if I want to be a nurse. Like I saw some of what they had to do. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do all that, but right. I liked the idea of supporting 
the people that were, you know, transitioning, but as well as the people that were there, you know, the family members and the friends and like just helping people understand what was going on and helping them not feel so alone. Right. But or questioning was, so many things because you'd have the knowledge yeah. of the stages and everything that may happen. Ooh, oh, yeah. so hard. And it is hard. It's really hard. And like some of it too, um, you know, I know like you're kind of talking about like some of your spiritual kind of stuff, right? So like one night in particular, I sat up with my grandmother in the middle of the night and she started like talking to somebody that was like oh, over my shoulder. I'm getting the chills because- my, Oh my gosh. My, I'll tell you a story when you're done. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, it was- it was crazy because then she says to me, don't you hear them singing? And I was like, I don't hear anything. And I like looked over my shoulder and she was like, there's three women right behind you and they're singing to me. And I was just like, and even now I'm like, yeah, I get goosebumps when I think yeah. about it because I wasn't scared. Like the, she wasn't scared. I could tell that if anything, it was like bringing her comfort. And it was one of the moments when like, it actually was more her. Like she actually knew who I was. Like she said to right. me, Jill. There was a lot like, of, there was a lot of clarity on her. There end, was a, before she had no idea that you were her grandmother. Totally, wow. totally. And so after that too, I kind of was like, whoa, there's something really special that happens at the end of life. There's like something there that I want to just know more about. I want to be part of, I want to investigate more of, you know, right, right. Um, because I think that in some ways, you know, it kind of gave me some comfort to think that Absolutely. there was like somebody there to like help her, you know, to like yes. get her to transition. transition and yeah. she wasn't afraid at all. And that's so, so comforting, not only as her grand, so granddaughter, comforting. but to know that at the end of our lives, hopefully there, that will also, you know, be the case that there'll be someone there to help us. And, and so we're not worried. Yeah. And it yeah. sounds like the more that I learned during my death doula training, like that's actually really common. Like it's mm -hmm. very, very common that people have their loved ones will come back to them. Um, you know, like, it's not like it's something that happens every once in a while. Like it's a pretty common phenomena for people that work around like end of life care. Mm -hmm. Um, and it definitely is comforting because you know, I like to think that maybe my grandma will come meet me when it's time. Like, I, bet I would you be she happy. Will. I bet you she'd be the first one since you were there for her during her transition. You know, oh, you would I'm think. Sure. Yeah. No, so, I wouldn't be surprised. So uh, about 24 years ago, I'd lost um, my oldest sister. She was in the hospital. She was also sick with cancer. And I had gone to visit her. Um, actually, the day that she passed, I had gone to visit her. And when I got there, <clears throat> she... Um, kept looking behind her in the hospital bed and was talking to someone behind her. <laughs> I just was like, oh, I don't know what's happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she was like, no, I want my, I want my sister to help me. Like she, she was having a conversation with whoever was there with her. Um, really, that's my own, only story that I wanted to say, because it just reminded me of it so much that I was like, okay, she know there's someone here with her. Yeah. Um, and that's where like the doctors sometimes will say it's a hallucination. They'll say that they're hallucinating. And, but I don't believe that what she was doing was hallucinating. Like it really was well, one she of was the few fully times. Cognizant. She was talking exactly. to you, but she also could see something. Good. And you know what, if that's in fact what they are doing, then who cares as long as she felt comforted and she knew that she was going to be okay. But I don't yeah. believe that either. I don't, 
I mean, I can't well, prove it, but I don't believe that either. I, I do. I have heard that people come to welcome you and help you transition as far as like people who have passed. And I believe that. So, yeah, I do too. And I think there's a lot of things um, that I don't know. I think there's a lot of things that none of us know. Maybe we just can't perceive it in our, you know, human bodies, the forms right. that we're in. Yeah. Um, so I'm open to a lot of possibilities when it comes to, especially those really, um, drastic moments in our life, birth and death, you know, when yeah. you're like really going between, you know, essentially two different worlds, two different, right. you know, spaces. So, um, but yeah, so after my grandmother died, I did consider it, but then I just kind of, you know, didn't want to be a nurse and I just kind of like put it on the back burner. And then I got the job at Cathedral Kitchen and I was working there and I love my job there. I love working with my students. Um, there's a lot of death though in the community that I work with. There's a yeah. lot of, you know, violence, unfortunately. There's just a lot of, um, a lot of grief, a lot of loss. And I was finding again that like, I actually was really good at like holding the space for people to like, tell me these stories and that I wasn't shutting down and being like, oh, I can't hear that. Like, that's too much for me. Um, and so one day I was listening to a podcast and somebody on there said they were a death doula. And as soon as I heard it, it was like something inside me was like, that's it. That's what I want to do. <laughs> that's it. Exactly. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. And um, I sat on it for about six months. I was like, I don't really think about this. Like, that's a big change from what you do. Like, you it's know, completely different. Yeah. Right. Oh, completely different. Completely yeah. different. Um, except in some ways, you know, food service is still about service. It's still about like meeting people's needs. And so it is so great that you say that, because I have to say, I, I always think about all of the jobs that I've had before and right this moment today. And I was a, a teacher for 15, 16 years. I'm taking this school year off though. Um, I'm taking a leave of absence um, to pursue what I'm doing now. I have a, I've had a little business for a while and I'm just gonna put all of my attention into that. And then of course this podcast thing. Um, so there's this, but um, I feel like every single job that I've had, there's been something connecting them. Like you said, in yeah. the restaurant, I was, serving, literally serving. Um, as a teacher, I feel like that's exactly what I like. I mean, that's exactly what I did. So training and teaching are my two and serving were my three things. I think that I can say almost every single job that I've had, I've done yeah, teaching, training, serving. Yeah. All great, you know, all great things to be doing in your career, you know, yeah, like yeah. I, I love teaching my students, um, and I'm looking forward to also teaching people, um, cause like the name of my business is end of life clarity. And yeah, I, I love that. Thank you. I love You're it welcome. too. And <laughs> I, you know, really worked hard, um, to come up with a name that really fit what I wanted around my business, because it's not just about taking care of people at the end of life. I want people to not be as afraid of dying. Mm -hmm. I want people mm -hmm. to feel some clarity around what the end of life actually is. And so that's one of the things that organically, actually, um, you know, my business, I started it during COVID. I actually had decided in January that I was going to pursue it. And I was like, all right. So I started looking into programs that I was going to take and certifications. And I started looking for a mentor 
and I found a woman in California, but she was like, I don't really, you know, work with people outside of LA. That's where I'm at. Like, you know, I can't really do it outside of LA. And I was like, all right, that's fine. And then COVID happened. And so, well, you know, there I, is Zoom and maybe people haven't heard of Zoom before. Yeah. <laughs> but that's it. I don't think any of us, at least a lot of us had oh, never I heard did. of Zoom before yeah, COVID. Yeah, right. I know I never funny. had. Oh, that's and so funny. So actually my mentor's name is Jill as well. And so uh, Jill and I ended up actually doing the mentorship because she was like, I can't see people in person now either. So let's try it. That's um, fabulous. Isn't that amazing how things worked out? Business. Oh, yeah. it, it really did because yeah. she has a really great business now mentoring other death doulas all around the country. Good. And good she for started you like for her little her. network. Yeah, I know. And it's good for me too, because now like the network of death doulas that um, she's training, you know, we meet once a week and just like have conversations of like what we're all doing and what's working and what's not working because it is a new thing, even though it's going to say new. it's got to be a small community of people at this point. I think maybe now there's a heck of a lot more than January, 2020, maybe, I don't know, or maybe January, 2017. I mean, because I only recently have heard of birth doulas, death doulas. I mean, I think mm-hmm. I've heard of birth doulas a lot more than I have death doulas. And when I had heard there were death doulas, I was like, oh, that is so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> there has to be so much more now than there ever was. There like is definitely a statement uh, that was silly. No, but I mean, it's, it's <laughs> true in that, like, yeah. you know, part of um, a lot of what it's going to be and a lot of what it's been for me already for the last year is just educating people about what I do mm-hmm. and why it's important. And, you know, I've been working full time, so I haven't been able to put as much time into building my business as I'd like. But I mm-hmm. have had a few clients and actually they've all been around grief, which I didn't expect. And not mm-hmm. every death doula does everything the same. Some death mm-hmm. doulas don't really work with grief. They only work with people at the end of life. You know, it just depends on what you really want to do. Um, but I've actually worked with, you know, a couple different people in the grieving process and mm-hmm. helping them through that and giving them some tools to like work through their grief. And um, it's, again, wasn't something I planned, but it's actually working out really nicely and organically in that, like, you know, that's what people need. So if I can give them the tools to like work with what they need, then that's really what I need to do. So that's amazing. So listen, I think we're going to try to take a real quick break. When we come back though, I I want to, I want to see if you can talk about responsibilities of a death doula and not necessarily just what you think what you're well you said that every single one is different but generally speaking a death doula what are the responsibilities sure and yeah and after that I would love to talk a little bit more about um well how people can reach you if they want to well do you only work in New Jersey uh, for right now, like in-person business would have to be in New Jersey. Um, but actually one of the things that I did was uh, developed a 10-week course to work with death anxiety. Okay. Um, All right. We're going to take a break. Yeah. We'll come right back and we'll talk about that. I love that because you could talk Perfect. that to anyone. All right. We'll be right back. And we're back. We're back with Jill. We were talking about how she became a death doula. And, and, and right before the break, I was thinking, what? What are the responsibilities, excuse me, responsibilities of a death doula? What are some of the things, generally speaking, that a death doula would be responsible for? 
So a death doula is um, non-medical care. So even though we can assist with some things, we're not going to like come in and give like medications and injections mm-hmm. or like anything like that. Some people actually transition from nursing to being a death doula. So mm-hmm. that might be a possibility for them. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, you know, there's a wide variety of things. We could start with paperwork, right? Mm-hmm. If somebody just finds out that they're sick, let's get your advanced healthcare directive together mm-hmm. so that this way we know, you know, what you want at the end of life when you might not be able to verbally communicate it. And if it's not so, down on paper, there's right. nothing we could do. So you may or may not be involved with them at the end of their life, but you may say one of your responsibilities is to, in fact, well, let's get your wishes here on paper. Correct. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. And that's, and that's something too, that like, I've been trying to encourage people of all ages, you know, Absolutely. like, unfortunately, or fortunately, I guess we don't know when we're going to die. So right. if we don't have these things down on paper, you could be in your twenties, thirties, or forties and have something happen. And your family has no idea what you want. Right. Um, so the paperwork is actually a great thing to have at any point in your life. And then, you know, from there, it can be, um, advocating with the doctors, you know, maybe you need somebody to go to your doctor's appointments with you to really just be able to listen and hear what's going on and be able to help you understand, um, what's happening. You know, not everybody yeah. has the ability to have a family member, you know, be able to do things like that with them. Um, especially as it gets later in the stages, you know, a lot of cases it's just, you know, going in, making sure even if somebody's in a facility or if they're just in their house, you know, Mm -hmm. are they eating well? Are they, you know, getting any kind of bed sores? Do we need to try to have maybe more care come in? It's Mm -hmm. really, um, your good pair of ears, ears and eyes, um, for the medical professionals who may or may not come in. So you can give them an update or let them know what's happening. Yes, exactly. And that's what a lot of the death doulas will do as well is try to schedule some of their appointments to be there so that when the nurses or the doctors can come in, you could say, Hey, you know, I visit with them, you know, one or two times a week or every day. Mm -hmm. And these are the things that I'm seeing, you know, over time, maybe these things have been changing or I'm noticing these different things. Mm -hmm. Um, So really in the long run, we're just there to advocate for our clients, you know, Mm -hmm. to really just make sure that their wishes are fulfilled. Um, but in a lot of cases too, it can help by working with the family members. Cause then, you know, a lot of people, especially at the end of life, maybe it's your parents or your grandparents or God forbid your children, right? A lot of things come up that you maybe haven't settled. You haven't talked about yet. You haven't worked through. Mm-hmm. So like the death doula can kind of be that like in between like liaison to kind yeah. of help these conversations happen and to hold the space for everybody involved. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things too, that a lot of death doulas will do is, um, plan like the vigils. So say you want to die at home and mm-hmm. a lot of people actually do. If you ask most people, do you want to die in a hospital? They're going to say, no, I'd rather die at home. But most people actually die in hospitals because they don't know what to do. So mm-hmm. the death doula, I don't even have to be there at the last stages, but I can help you and your family plan for it. So we can rearrange the furniture in the room, make things more comfortable, come up with a plan of what type of music, like whatever it is, right? Again, Mm -hmm. just get these things down on paper and then help just make sure that they're executed. In some Mm -hmm. cases, death doulas will actually sit vigil. Mm -hmm. Um, It'll be even like respite care for the family members, you know, like let me come in for a couple hours so you can go take a nap because you've been sitting up with your 
you know, loved one for eight hours. Right. Um, so there's a variety of different things that we can do leading up to the time of death. Um, we can help plan funerals. There's a lot of different options. You could actually have home funerals, which yeah. most people don't realize. So nope. my mentor, Jill, taught us how to do it, um, mm -hmm. how to keep the body, you know, safe, essentially, how to keep things, um, you know, so that you can use ice packs to keep the body cold for a certain amount of time um, so that people can have home funerals. You can actually, um, there's a lot of green burial sites now around the country, mm -hmm. which, you know, you don't have to go through the normal, like, you know, process of, you know, being embalmed and then being laid out in the funeral home and like all those things. A lot of people don't want that, but they don't know that there's another option. Those right. options tend to get very expensive. The funeral industry is a big business. They make mm -hmm. a ton of money and mm -hmm. they don't want to stop making that money. So they're not going to tell you that there's other ways to do it. Right. Um, so again, that's why the death doulas are kind of here. We're kind of here to be like, you don't, if you want that, that's great. You know, yeah. um, but if you don't want it, and if you don't want to have your family spend all this money on it, there's other ways to do things. Yeah. And then there's morning doulas, like somebody that would come in and work with the family afterwards, you know, oh, like wow, yeah, to really help with the grief. Um, because think about how often, like one of the things that I did as I was getting ready to open my business, um, a friend of mine recommended just put out on Facebook. I want to talk to people about end of life experiences that they've had. And I had a mm -hmm. bunch of people reach out to me, um, including a friend of mine who lost her husband. I think she was 40 and he was like 41. Mm -hmm. And she said, you know, the hardest thing for her was that up until the moment he died, she had a ton of support. Everybody was around. They called, they checked in on her. They'd bring her food, whatever else. Once he died, she said, everybody just kind of like disappeared. She was alone. She had all this stuff. She didn't know what to do with it. She was like trying to figure out how to clean out things. Um, That's you know, shocking. It just, yeah. Right. But like, yeah. it, but, uh, think, you know, I guess everyone handles death differently and maybe they feel like they can help if they're supporting. Yeah. I don't know, but that's, I wonder if it, um, I think it had more to do with them and how they dealt with death. That's too bad. Oh, definitely. And some of it too, that she was saying, um, was that especially because they were so young, there was a lot of other couples that they used to spend time with. And now mm -hmm. that she wasn't part of a couple, yeah, it just changed things. But again, these are things that I would have never known. Thankfully, you know, my husband is healthy um, mm -hmm. and I don't have to hopefully worry about that. Right. But, you know, it's nothing I would have ever known to think about. And she said too, for her, you know, because she was younger, a lot of grief support groups were like older people. And yes, so she didn't yeah. really feel, and also she had a child. So she yeah. was like, they didn't have them at times. Like I work and I have a kid, right. I can't go right. to like a one o'clock in the afternoon, like grief right. support group. So like, that's another service that some death doulas offer is like, just to be that support and check in, you know, once a week then maybe cut it back to like once every three months, once every six months, you know, just yeah. to really see how people are doing after they lost somebody that was very important to them. Um, so yeah, it really, again, it depends on the death doula, what they're comfortable with, you know, really yeah. what people want. Actually, I have um, a friend up in New York city that she was just saying um, the other day on the zoom call that one of the things that she's been getting a lot of calls about was um, grandchildren calling to set up death doulas for their grandparents to like, kind of like, be like, I want to have somebody that can like help my grandparents get things together, get things in order, 
um, Swedish death cleaning, which is like this concept of like cleaning out a lot of your stuff before mm-hmm. you die, essentially, and your family members have to do it. Um, so they've actually been doing Swedish death cleaning for people. I need um, to do that here. <laughs> I call I it mean, purging. I, <laughs> yes. And I think we all kind of need to do it. And I think so. I'd like to live a little more simply. Definitely. definitely. I have definitely and, purged a lot, but I there's a lot that I don't look at, don't touch. There's no reason for it to be here. So yeah. And, you know, that's one of the things that I learned um, after my other grandmother passed away, my dad's mom, my husband and I had just moved to New Jersey. So we hadn't opened our bakery yet. And so we were like the people that were around, we had time. And so we ended up cleaning out her house yeah. and I felt terrible because we basically just pulled a dumpster up and my husband and I, and then like one day we had a couple of family members help. We were just throwing stuff in the dumpster. We couldn't look yeah. through her boxes of you know, pictures that she saved from trips, you know, it's like you open up, you don't know who anybody in the box is, right. all the papers. And I felt terrible because so many things that obviously at one point meant something to her got yeah. shoved into a garage. And then I didn't have the time to look through it, even if I wanted to, because we had the dumpster for 24 hours. Right. So it was like, just get rid of it. And I felt so terrible. And so even at that time, you know, my husband and I didn't even have kids, but I was like, I don't want to do this to my family. Yeah. I think about that a lot. Like just making sure that I continue to get rid of things I don't need. So no one has to go through it when I'm not here. Yeah. Because that's hard for them. It's hard for them. And it's a lot of work. Yes. And a lot of guilt about throwing the things out. And so, you know, then we all just end up with more stuff that we need. You know, I've got all of my grandmother's, um, you know, China and dishes and cake stands and like, yeah, all that stuff. And I use it, but I also had a really hard time parting with anything that was hers. You know, I lived with her. I, she basically raised me yeah. um, and I, it was hard. It was hard to get rid of her stuff because it was all I had left of her, even though right. it wasn't really real. Like, it's not like yeah. the stuff it's is not all you, I still yeah, had, it's not all you had. It's just memories of her. Yes. Yeah. Yes. In the but things. you know, that's it. In the long run, it's still just things that once I die, my kids never really knew her. I mean, again, my son was six months old when she passed away. So they'll see it as yours. They'll see it as yours too. That's true. That's true. That's so interesting. Boy, death doula really does a lot. So not only are you a death doula, but you also do tarot card readings and guess what? It might be in New Jersey, but she does them virtually as well. So at the end, I, I will make sure, yeah, I will make sure that we get that information. So if you did want to get a reading, you can contact her. Um, how did you get into that? You said you did that during COVID as well. Yeah. So I actually started reading tarot cards for myself um, when I was like in my mid twenties, and mm-hmm. I only did them for myself for probably the first ten years because mm-hmm. I don't know. I felt awkward. It just <laughs> was like I think there was still part of me that was like people are going to think I'm weird if I mm-hmm. like tell them that I even do this. And then I started doing them for friends. And then mm-hmm. it was like, you know, well, we're having a party at our house. Like, why don't you bring your cards? And the next thing I knew, I was like reading like literally for hours at parties. <laughs> and so then people started asking about hiring me, but I was hesitant about going into people's houses that I didn't yeah. know. Right. And then even like I had a couple people that I didn't know come to my house, but you know, I've got kids and like, 
Yeah, so it I gets weird like, after a bit. You're like, ah, oh, this isn't very comfortable. Yeah. Oh, totally. And so <laughs> during COVID, my husband was like, why don't you do tarot cards over Zoom? And it was honestly one of the best decisions I ever made because I love reading the cards for people. I love being able to really just essentially give them um, confirmation about yeah. things that they're already feeling and things that they're That's already right. thinking. Yeah. And like the connections that I've made with people where, um, especially, you know, as a woman in my mid forties, you know, like I have learned a lot about myself and about mm -hmm. essentially the way that women are trained to behave and the way that we're trained to speak and whatever else. And so when I read in particular for younger women, and so much of what I say is just like tap into your own intuition, like really learn to trust yourself and trust what your body is telling you and what your heart is telling you, not just what your mind's trying to tell you. Yeah. Um, and then they come back to me a few months later because they're like, oh my gosh, like that reading you did for me was spot on. It was exactly yeah. what was happening. And yeah. I just want to check in and see how things are going. And like one woman in particular, it was like night and day. Like she really took oh, a lot of what fabulous. we talked about Yeah, and she was in a really not good place and came back to me like six months later and was like, let's do another reading. And I did it for her. And I was like, look at this. And I was like, it's so much better this time. Um, and I just, I love it. I love being able to, you know, kind of have, it's, it's I like great to think guidance. Of, and like you said, validation yeah. and and you might know what it's trying to tell you and you didn't just didn't trust yourself and listen to yourself. So I love that stuff. I just think it's so great. That's, yeah, that's exactly it. It's like, yeah. you know, when I say these things to people and I'm like, this is the thing too. Like sometimes if somebody says like, well, how does it work? I'm like, I don't know for sure how it works. I just know that I open myself up mm -hmm. to getting whatever information you need to know. And it comes mm -hmm. through in the cards and mm -hmm. I just know what the cards mean mm -hmm. in the different positions, especially. Right. Um, and so it's almost like having one foot in this world and one foot in the spirit <laughs> yeah, world you're again. Perfect you know? for it all. Yeah. 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 You've I been mean, doing this your whole life. <laughs> and I think that's really it too, for me is like, I think really I have been always um, drawn towards this type of thing, even yeah. since I was a child, you know, yeah. like I, you know, actually my grandmother, um, when I was little, she used to volunteer to take people to mass that lived in, um, a veterans home that was really mm -hmm. close to us. So they were all veterans or wives or spouses of veterans. Right. And then we would go and we would like take them to mass. And then at Christmas time, we would go and we would like sing songs and like yeah. give out rosary beads. Right. And I was probably like six years old when we first started doing it, maybe even younger. And when yeah. I was in high school, her and I had talked about it and she said, you know, I used to take you and your friends. And she was like, and you were the only one that you weren't afraid. She was like, if anything, the more like sick a person looked, the more you wanted to go up and hold their hand and talk to them and like be with them. Mm -hmm. And I don't really remember that. I mean, I, I just, it was just me, I guess it was yeah. just what I did. It was just yeah. what felt you have natural. been doing this your whole life. Yeah. I yeah, think I have. So yeah. That's so wonderful. And I could That's do it so forever. Wonderful. You know, yeah. like I, this is something, you know, again, I'm in my mid forties now I'm completely transitioning from, yeah. you know, one career to another one, but I could do this for another 50 years. I could be 95 and still yeah. doing this. Like you could, I hope you are. Yeah, I hope so too. I really do. So I'm excited. I think um, 
I think it's time and I'm really excited to just fully embrace all of this and just well, put all of my I think it's into wonderful it. I think it's much needed I think I could, can't believe all the services that you could offer um so everyone listening if you don't have um papers I have to do it myself saying what you want at the end of your life you should do that you might have it in a will but you can hire a death doula to help you do that so you can even hire Jill here Jill before yeah. I <laughs> before I ask you the the three questions that we ask everybody. Do you want to essentially sell your soul to our listeners and tell them how they can get in touch with you? <laughs> sure. Feel free, um, give your website, your whatever. Okay. I'm going to so, write it down at the same time. Yeah, perfect. Um, so my website is endoflifeclarity.com. I'm just the same name as my business. Yep. Um, and my email is jill at endoflifeclarity.com. So it's pretty easy to reach me. Um, my tarot business, I actually advertise it on Facebook. That's like where I run the okay. whole thing. Okay. Um, so how, what face, what is the, is it just, how do they get you? Yeah. It, it's just zoom tarot readings by Jill. Like that's all that is zoom called. tarot readings by Jill. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I was not very creative with that name. It's perfect. Um, yeah. <laughs> But I mean, again, if somebody just wants to email me about one, I just run them through Zoom. Okay. And Is it okay that they um, email you at this email um, yeah. for your tarot and then you'll figure it out from that end? Yep. Perfect. That's, That's awesome. no problem. That's great. You guys, I'm going to put those in the podcast notes anyways. So you didn't have to write all of that down. Um, it will be on the podcast notes. So Jill, yeah, before thank you. we go, thank you. Before we go, we ask our guests three questions. Are you ready? Yep. Hopefully you haven't listened to any episodes yet. When you are at your most peaceful, what is it that you're doing? My most peaceful. It's when I'm in my garden. I love my garden. It's actually a, uh, no, so I don't really grow any vegetables. It's um, basically just flowers, a lot of like wildflowers. Um, we're a certified wildlife habitat. Um, my <gasps> husband, yeah, my husband got the paperwork filled out for it because we have- It must be enormous you know, then. It's actually not. That's the amazing wow. thing is you could do it on a fairly small plot of earth. You just have to have certain things. You have to be able to like have like a space for animals to live and like you have to, you know, do some composting and, um, and it's not a huge garden, but at this point it's basically, I killed off almost my entire front lawn Oh, um, nice. so there's yeah, someone so that like, lives in my town. I walk by her house every day. She has got fruits and vegetables, but also the sunflowers, the wildflowers. Yeah. It is, it has, I see yellow um, finches on yep, the sunflowers. I have a ton of finches. Oh my I gosh. Love I love my finches. Butterflies. It's just like, it's magical when I walk by. It sounds it like is. your house. <laughs> and that's, I have people that walk by or they'll drive by when I'm outside and they'll stop and say to me, like they go out of their way to drive yes. by my house or walk yep. by my, and one, one woman did say to me, I'm still looking for a fairy. She's like, one day I'm going to find a fairy in here. <laughs> it's like, sure. You let Hi. me know if you do. Um, but that is definitely when I'm the most at peace, like barefoot, like in the dirt, just like connecting so cool. with, yeah, with nature. I love it so much. I, t I glom off of the great energy from my, that woman's yard. I walk by and I'm like, I'll take all this energy. All Perfect. Right. <laughs> Stealing it. Um, what could, do you have a book that you would recommend? And if you don't, it's okay. But like a 
great book, like life-changing. Ooh, so this one actually ties in really well um, with the career that I'm transitioning out of. Um, because again, the place that I work at in Camden, um, I tend to work with a lot of people that are coming out of the prison system or were mm -hmm. addicted to drugs or were homeless. Um, and I, you know, I'm a middle-class white lady and a lot of my students, that's not their reality. And mm -hmm. I had a student say to me once, you know, Chef Jill, you're a great teacher. Like we could tell how much you love us and like how much you care, but it's also obvious sometimes like that you don't understand where we come from. Mm -hmm. And so I heard that and I was like, all right, I hear it and I'm going to listen and I'm going to go learn as much as I can. And I ended up discovering um, a man by the name of Shaka Senghor. And yeah. he wrote a book called Writing My Wrongs, like writing as in like pen and paper writing. And that book, he has um, like TED Talks, he's got all kinds of stuff out, but like his book in particular, it literally changed my life. Like That's I so just, neat. oh, it was, it was amazing. The way now, that Now, would you wrote, say it changed your life because you just became more empathetic because, or what, how did, what, tell, how did it change your life? Um, definitely became more empathetic. Um, I definitely understood, um, where my students were coming from, but not just my students where, you know, there's a percentage of our population that they live in a different reality than we, we do. Meaning like, again, like white middle-class Americans. Uh -huh. Um, and I started being more vocal about trying to, really help people understand that like it's not that they're you know the people that live in places like Camden they're wonderful amazing people you know mm -hmm. like it's not that there's anything wrong with them mm -mm. but the way that our society has set things up it really is just that they experience a different reality mm -hmm. and it's not always um easy for people to really get out of these cycles that they've been born into um, and if I can, you know, help to like raise some of those voices so more people can understand. So hopefully mm -hmm. everybody can have a better opportunity at life. Um, mm -hmm. Then that would be great. But man, that book, it really did. It, it like, it. Can you, can you say his name, his name one more time? Sure. It's Shaka Senghor. I believe it's S-E-N-G-H-O-R. Um, and now it. like, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I could even send you a message with the oh, correct that's okay. spelling I've, just I've to got, make sure. But I got the title too. I already Good. I'm writing my wrongs, so I should be okay. Thank you so much. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. One more question. Just one sure. more. Um, if money wasn't an object, what would you be doing? Uh, if money was not an object, I would probably still be doing the work that I'm doing as far as like my new business, but yes. I would be traveling more with my family. Like I'd like to get like an RV and like take my kids around. <laughs> I'd let my, I want my, even now with my business, my dream is to retire my husband. So he doesn't have oh, to work anymore. Fabulous. Yeah. And that we can all just like spend time together because really, you know, the last few years we've both been working, you know, mm -hmm. normal jobs and We've just been tied to this life where, you know, drop the kids off at school, run yep. to work. Yeah. Talk about a cycle. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I just, I don't want to do that anymore. So if I didn't have to work for like the money, 
then I would just be doing like the work that I want to transition into because I love helping people. I love mm-hmm. working with people. And you can I'm do that on to... the road. <laughs> yeah. Oh, definitely. That's it. I mean, again, even my tarot card business, I can do that yep. from an RV as long as I have internet access. So that's I'm right. fine. Yeah. That's right. So that, that would be my thing. I would just have a little bit more freedom in my life to like do what I want with my family. I think if while you know, doing what if you money want. wasn't yeah. exactly. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Thank yeah. you so much for coming on. I Thank really you appreciate for me. that you spent the time. Oh yeah. I'm excited. Um, especially to my couple of friends who I think are listeners who were interested in becoming death doulas. There's a little story for you. They can yeah. uh, get some information from you and they could contact you. Um, yeah. If, that's anyone it. if needs, anybody yeah. has questions, you know, even like not to hire me, but if anybody has questions about anything, definitely yeah, just reach you. out and send an email because the more people that get into this work, I think really the better society will be for it. I think yeah, we really it's need this. Lovely. It's absolutely fabulous. I'm so yeah. appreciative of learning more about it. So thanks again. I do appreciate Thank it. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, sorry, Brit's not here, everyone. Uh, she sends her love. Uh, she sent me a little text that I, I couldn't read while I was here, but it's there somewhere. I'll, I'll read it. <laughs> But I appreciate your time. Enjoy your children. Um, Best of luck on your transition. Thank Um, you. Thank you. And here I am. I am back. Just came back to say one more time. Thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited that you enjoy this podcast and keep coming back for more. We can't wait to see you next time. But until then, may you be happy, healthy, safe and live a life that's filled with ease. Thank you. Bye.